doing the Star Wars song when he's the lounge singer and just put that oh. at the beginning and then jump right into it. Okay. I mean, copyright is like a thing though. Fuck it. Do it live. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Waffle Press movie podcast. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. Star Wars came out. People like those. I like most of them. You know who else likes them? My guest, Matt Garingo. Welcome back, Matt. Yes, it is I, Matt Garingo, the other guy who likes Star Wars. The other one. Just the, the one. The one yeah. in this world where people don't... I'm trying to boost this little franchise. Get some people seeing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried I might not make enough money back to get a sequel, but... <sighs> take a break from your Pacific Rims and Mad Maxes to see Star Wars. A little indie film that could... Well, technically, uh, isn't it uh, the first the first one independent or no? The f- you could argue the first three are independent films. Um, I don't think anyone would, but well, I mean, the first one funded by Fox. Fox owns it forever, um, but the next two, Luke is funded out of pocket. So, damn, uh, yeah, what a man. and it almost killed him. So, yeah. <laughs> well, one could argue it did kill at least his creativity. Yeah, and then you know, and then you could argue that the prequels are indie films because he did all those with his own money. So, so it, it, um, it is a little independent franchise that could. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Good luck, indie filmmakers. Make your own <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, so Rogue One came out this past weekend. Uh, yes, it a did. A lot of people liked it. Some people don't like it. Let's just dive right into it. Mm-hmm. We don't really have a structure for this. It's just a full-on spoiler discussion on Rogue One and. Yes, big spoilers. Yes, like everything. Uh, I, I just did a, an episode with uh, Rob Meyer Burnett from Collider Heroes on uh, another episode of the Waffle Press, but we only had about 15 minutes to talk about Rogue One. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is a full-on, in-depth dissection autopsy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, first, let's just say, what would you think of it? I loved it. I loved As... it a lot. Yes. Uh, I thought it was the blockbuster like of the year. I mean, the, the competition's not, not Yeah, not a, not a great field this year. <laughs> no. Um, kind of got, got graded on a curve. But even then, this like really makes the other ones look even worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just remarkable visually. Uh, I think structurally there are some issues. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe some characters need a bit of padding here and there. But, I mean, just, just watching it. Like, I want to watch it in IMAX. Because it just must be gorgeous. <laughs> Did you not see it in IMAX? No, I I went to an early screening on the Disney lot. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That I heard was about super that. Super fun uh, for real film chatter. Go listen to another. Oh my god, I've had three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was, well, that this, was this is the definitive episode. You don't have to listen to those other two. <laughs> <laughs> Please listen to them. No. Um, and then I saw it at the El Capitan Theater. Hmm. And uh, my friend, God bless him, Gene, we got these nice little seats in the corner, in the middle. You have to pass, uh-huh. like, 50 people in these aisles. And we yeah. got there late because it was raining, and it was very uh, traffic-heavy in L.A. as usual, yeah. but also with rain. So we were there, yeah. like, 30 minutes late. And so <laughs> I have to go to the bathroom, and I, <laughs> I have to – but first I want to find my seat. And I didn't realize because I'd never been to the El Capitan – how packed that theater gets. Yeah, yeah. And so as soon as I sat in my seat, I thought, I'm not going to make it back here if I go to the bathroom. <laughs> so I just stayed. 
enjoyed oh. the movie again, and everything hurt when the movie was over. I had to run out of the theater. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did not have an experience like that. <laughs> um, it was freezing rain the day I saw it, so there was some oh, ice okay, on the road, so that was a little fun. Um, trying to drive my little brother to see the movie and not get him killed. <laughs> um, and I, too, I liked Rogue One a lot. Um, I think if you are a Star Wars fan who played any of the video games or read any of the comics or have done anything outside of the movies, you will love it. I think if you're a casual Star Wars fan who's only seen the movies, I think it depends. You might like it. You might not like it. And I think if you're an average film goer, I don't know if this will win you over into wanting to see side stories in the Star Wars universe. I, I have, I the, thought the exact opposite. And then mm-hmm. the, the review embargo broke and other people were like, oh yeah, this is this. And I was like, oh, I guess I was wrong. I thought this would win everyone over. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a film that, I can't like tell someone who's like, if someone went like, I don't want to fucking see that. I thought I was going to come out of it and be like, oh yeah, well this happens. <laughs> and then I'd win them over. But instead I'm like, yeah, you know, you probably, some people I know that are have no interest. I'm like, yeah, you probably won't. It's probably not your thing. <laughs> but I think the average Star Wars fan will probably get something out of it. Um, so I'm not sure, th- I'm not sure what that means in terms of box office um, <laughs> and how Disney's going to react to that, but we'll wait and see. I think just because it's Star Wars, it'll still make a billion dollars, mm-hmm. which they'll be happy about. Uh, I don't think they expect it to make Force Awakens money. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, so I mean, that'd be crazy. I don't know. I don't know like what Star Wars does overseas. Like I know it didn't do well. I didn't know Force Awakens didn't do well in China, um, compared to other blockbusters. But um, we'll wait and see what happens. Because. <laughs> um, it's a, it, this is a weird film for Disney to start off their Star Wars expanded universe with. I think so, too, but only mm-hmm. because it's, like, overbearingly dark. I mean, yeah. it, I don't think people really comprehend, like, how dark the movie is, even after they watch it. Uh, I think Revenge of the Sith, like, is more brutal to watch because, you know, they kill children, and mm-hmm. Anakin nearly burns to death, and force chokes his pregnant wife yeah so there's a whole different like layer to that stuff uh but this one uh essentially rogue one is about building hope in the galaxy or at least that's how i read it because mm. oh, there's all these disparate groups of rebels and like they don't get along and they did you think that because the movie ends with the word hope and that the next film in the series was called a new hope uh no i thought about that earlier on in the movie but yeah, I mean, they kind of toss that word around a lot also. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, um, th- there's really nothing, like, hope-wise to latch onto for the first, like, two acts of the movie, and then everyone dies. Yeah, I, I kind of forget, because, I, I mean, I was shown movies at a young age that I should. Like, I've seen The Thing since I was five, but I'm not, I don't realize that, like, most people haven't, most kids haven't seen movies where everyone dies. yeah. <laughs> And the good guys don't make it out at the last second, mm-hmm. which is what how I was convinced this movie was going to end, even with like its brutality. I thought it was going to end with 
some of them dying, and then Jin, like, you think she's going to die, and she passes out, and then she wakes up at Yavin 4, and then they're like, hey, we destroyed the Death Star, all our, we, we did it. <laughs> and everyone's like, yay! And instead, that's not what happened. Yeah, they just Photoshop Luke, Han, and Leia in the background with them cheering and yeah. walking off into the distance. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, they uh, instead they die in a mushroom cloud. Yeah, like the like the Watchmen. Yeah, that, um, that does remind me of Watchmen. Uh, except this is a much better movie, and I don't feel gross about it. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, so it's dark, but it's also it's very directed at the fans as opposed to the casual film goer. I don't think this movie takes too many steps to reach out to the average film goer. Um, as opposed to Force Awakens, which I think found a real balance between fans and the average person. I think Rogue One very much is targeted towards the hardcore fan demographic. Um, I don't know which is another thing. that way, but go ahead, finish I, with your stuff. I really do. I, I, I just think that other than using you know Darth Vader as a marketing tool, which is what he mostly is. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's very much like it's aimed at people who want to see all these Star Wars things that they had toys of do all these really cool things that you don't get to see in the films that you've only had your imagination for so far. Um, I think it caters to that audience more than the average film-going audience. So, which is, to me, that's what makes it the oddest thing for Disney to do. That's why I think it's odd. I, there were multiple times, I guess, I did feel where you can imagine, like, Gareth Edwards or, like, one of the writers, uh, Chris Waits or Gary Witta, like, just being like, oh, I used to play with my Star Wars toys like this, mm. so what if I structured this sequence around this? Or, uh, like, Darth Vader's Lava mm. Castle on Mustafar? Yeah. Like, that was mm. clearly, like, someone playing with their toys and being like, oh, yeah, Darth Vader should live in, like, this... Lava Castle. And well, that's a, you know, that's a Ralph McQuarrie drawing. Oh, yeah, no, that's, that's true. Uh, Maybe that's just um, stuff like that, but either way. But it is, it is true that, like, if you're a deep-cut nerd, like I am, <laughs> when you imagine Star Wars, you imagine stuff like Vader's Castle. Even though it's not in the movies, you've read in books that it exists. Because um, it's been mentioned in the EU, and, like, if you have any of those, like, art of Star Wars books, you're going to read about Darth Vader's castle at some point. Yeah, I mean, all that was missing was like his pet gargoyles that he's feeding. Yeah, yeah, that would have been awesome. But uh, <laughs> uh, and also, but all the action in this movie has the feel of like when you're a kid, like, and you run around in the background, like reenacting the Battle of Hoth, like where you think, like, you pretend something like a fucking basketball hoop is like an <laughs> ATAT walker. Like that's how it all felt. Like it was shot, so it really feels like it's. That's the genesis of this whole thing, and it's impressive how well it's shot. Um, more, it looks better than any Star Wars film I can think of, honestly. Yeah, uh, I, I think it might be the best visually Star Wars. I still don't think it's the best one. Although oh yeah. uh, that third act, that's that's a it's a whole different ballpark for me. I, I think I could talk a while about that later. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, uh, but even like the the opening shots of uh, what are they the the death troopers or black troopers, whatever troopers. Yeah, the death troopers. Yeah, um, the aiming like, stormtroopers. 
Yeah, they look. <laughs> yeah, <it's true. laughs> they look like almost like silhouettes because they shot the opening scene in Iceland, and they they always had these stories about like how hard it was to film because the fog rolled in like every. Couple <laughs> of and so they're like, "All right, get this five second shot here. Get this five second shot here. Hurry!" That's why they're all soaking wet. Yeah, they look really great against like that incoming fog, and I just, oh, I love love how that opening stuff looks. And uh, the one for me, it was like anytime they were in like the city of Jeddah. Or they're in uh, when uh, Cassian is in a he's in a city at the beginning that's like a mining city of some sort, like in an asteroid belt. And there's a real depth to the city streets that you haven't seen in any Star Wars film. Like even on Coruscant, which is supposed to be like the big city of the Star Wars universe, you don't feel like there's the crowded like streets filled with like barkers and like stormtroopers and different, you know groups and you can just see like the different layers of it and that 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 really impressed me and i think that would be like because i've heard like there's a lot of talk about how george lucas like really likes this one um he really likes rogue one oh, according yeah. to some inside sources and i feel like it's probably because i think visually it probably got what he was going for a lot more than other star uh, even his own like when he, you, know, you see in the special edition when he tries to make Moss Eisley look more crowded, like I think he was he liked seeing those visions realized. And I think a lot of the scale in Rogue One, I mean, that's like all Gareth Edwards and I forgot who mm. the cinematographer was. Let me look that up real quick. Uh, but I mean, look at anything he's done with Godzilla and monsters, and it's just mm. like he really knows how to make you feel small. Or yeah, at least make the people feel small, and he's like huge astronomically behemoth environments well he's found this nice balance because a lot of directors there's been a more emphasis on like feeling like you're in the middle of battle like that's been the, the new push in filmmaking for the last 20 years like you don't feel like you're an observer you feel like you're a participant mm -hmm. and that's led to a lot of action scenes often looking very cluttered very you know like you don't know what's going on some really bad editing but gareth edwards seems to find the nice balance where you can still see what's going on while still feeling like you're right in the middle of it i feel like that's his strength yeah uh the cinematographer is greg frazier by the way i i don't really i'm not familiar and with what work. what did he do uh oh um, okay uh fox catcher the gambler mm -hmm, Zero yeah dark 30 which is yeah i heard it was the zero dark 30 guy yeah okay that's um, that's a good fit <laughs> for, which makes oh, sense yeah uh where gareth edwards sometimes doesn't succeed in my opinion is the writing of some of his films uh, yeah yeah um uh, where and that was the that was the thing um i was nervous about going in and having seen it i need to see it again i haven't seen it a second time yet um, but having seen it once, I think it's solid. It's a solid enough story that flirts with greatness <laughs> at times and then falls short. Uh, but still, it's solid. It'll get you through the movie. It's not. It's it's only. It's a little frustrating at how close it comes to being something really great. But then just kind of sticks to a standard story. There are definitely structural issues with the story, as I mentioned before. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no denying some of the characters are a little underwritten. Maybe could have given yeah. a little more to do. Uh, I, I, I don't know. It's, there's, it's the first think... act that I think really um, stumbles a lot. Um, 
Yeah, I think the first act is missing a lot of pieces. I don't think, like, the, it's not like the pieces that are there bug me. It's just I feel like there's a couple beats that are missing that would have helped uh, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're introduced to Jin a little too quickly. Um, like, for example, like, I was just looking up stuff to have some notes here. Um, like, did you realize that she was in a work camp at the beginning of that movie? <laughs> what? No. She, yeah, she, that's where she's supposed to be. She's supposed to be in, like, an imperial work camp. Oh, like, okay. I knew I she was a she prisoner. Was, like, prisoner, yeah. But, and I would have liked to have seen, like, what is she doing in this prison? Mm-hmm. And, which means that also, like, she's, when she abandons that, like, it looked like she was being transported to prison in the opening. And when she gets rescued and just abandons the other people there. <laughs> yeah. And instead, it's, uh, you know, now you realize it's, those are people that she was just probably working with in the camp that whatever she, they were being forced to do and she still abandoned them which you know is a character beat you can have but they needed to drive that home yeah. uh, I feel like they just they miss like what is Jin's character outside of the plot points like what is like how what is she doing in the world other than kind of being you know she's a criminal like and that's a but that's a very broad definition. Like uh, there's a lot of different type of criminals in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah, and especially because of how uh, her story arc finishes, where she learns to care about something other than herself. So yeah. that that first beat should work if they focused on that more and how she doesn't care about anything besides herself. And that yeah, way, really, her journey towards the end like becomes that much more potent. Mm. She really needed a, a some point where she's like, I don't care about this rebellion. I'm just trying to get to my father. And then we needed to see her change and say, like, all right, now I'm, I have to fight for this rebellion in order to honor my father. We needed to see that change. And if there's a little bit there, but not enough. I think you needed a little more for uh, a full arc. And also an arc that actually concludes in the climax. Because by the end of the movie, I mean, she's made her choice that she's going to, you know, all these characters have made their choice that they're going to sacrifice themselves. The audience might not know that that's common, but the characters do. Mm -hmm. And so when it gets to the end, when she, you know, she has her last standoff with Orson, there's no real emotional arc that happens there. Like, if you look at for an example, the best action movie of the decade, Mad Max Fury Road. Um, they make the decision to go back to the Citadel and, you know, fight for that. Like, all the characters kind of decide, all right, we're going to fight now, and we're going to go back and we're going to take the Citadel. But that's not the emotional climax of the movie. The emotional climax is when Max gives his blood to Furiosa willingly after he has been used for his blood, and then telling her his name, finally admitting who he is to her. So they're both people, again, in the way, like, you know, they've, they've, they're finding their redemption in the wasteland. I don't think there's that emotional climax within the physical climax. Um, oh, yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Uh, the, the climax almost didn't work for me when I was first watching it, but I was so, like, enthralled by what was happening on screen. I was just like, whoa, whoa. whoa. Uh, yeah. Uh, like the Hank Hill scream. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
but then I, I think it's kind of interesting how um, there's like the it's hard because none of the characters are as well defined as anybody like in the ongoing series of movies mm-hmm. but I like that their stuff their sacrifice is one climax and then immediately even though it's clearly like just a, a lead into a new hope it works mm-hmm. for the movie thematically because the whole movie is about building hope anyways so their sacrifice leads into mm-hmm. that while also being like oh by the way remember how much you guys love uh, new hope <laughs> so that i thought that was really impressive well least. i got a, i got an opinion about the last two minutes of the movie okay <laughs> um which is that uh, I, I have a feeling, because there's a lot of talk about the reshoots that happen around this movie. And they aren't noticeable, which means that Disney took its time to make sure that they actually had a working movie and that the reshoots weren't reactionary. That whatever they went to shoot was to make the movie work as, to, as opposed to, you know, change what the movie was to meet some sort of demographic. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, uh, that's ideally how reshoots should work, but yeah. we all know, not all. I know some talk, well, there's also talk of people going like, ah, oh, the reshoots don't mean anything. But I have to disagree, because everything, if you really read about these reshoots, there were a lot. It wasn't just a couple, like, pickup shots that, like, most reshoots are. Like, they, they fundamentally changed whatever they had in the initial cut. Um, they had to bring in, you know, new writers. They had to bring in another director to help carry the load. They had to change composers. Um, oh, and I yeah, think you can see, true. I think you can see a real shift in the marketing. And I think one of the things that was changed was I honestly think the ending of this movie would have been even darker, which is that explosion, and then you see, you know, Jin and Cassian absorbed in the light. Then just cut to black, and then the end. I think that was going to be the ending. Jesus. And then someone said, "You know what? That's a little too much." <laughs> and so, and then someone also said, "We only have Darth Vader in one scene of this movie, and it's going to leak out that Darth Vader's in this movie, and people are going to be disappointed if it's just one scene. So we better add a Darth Vader scene to it." And so someone said, "Like, hey, let's kill two birds with one stone and make a better ending with Darth Vader." Because I feel like the last two minutes of this movie are very added. I think it's very masturbatory. But it's also, I don't care. I thought it was great. <laughs> um, sometimes it feels good to get a hand job. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, just, I thought that was fucking awesome. And, like, I knew, it, like, while it was happening, I knew how calculated it was, how, you know... Here's Darth Vader being a badass, so everyone walks out of this movie talking about how much of a badass Darth Vader is. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't care. I fucking love it. <laughs> and and to see, you know, CGI Carrie Fisher, who I think looked good. I think she looked better than the other CGI character. Oh, I definitely want to talk about film. that. Um, I think she looked really good as opposed to the other guy. No, no, no. I, I but think, that's just me. Oh, I thought she looked it's, great. I, I couldn't even, I think, like register it the first time i saw it like i knew yeah. it wasn't real but i was like where is it where are the flaws and then it ends so you i know think it's because I mean? it's so quick and there's only one line she has to say that it doesn't fucking matter as it, opposed it's a to a four letter word <laughs> yeah as opposed to a character who has to act out entire scenes 
even though he's dead. Um, <laughs> so, and that was a good note to end it on. Um, but that also brings me to another problem I have with the movie. Um, first, I want to get out another one, which is uh, uh, the Cassian Andor character. No! Um, who I, I love, Diego Luna. Uh, I think Diego Luna is outstanding as an actor. I think he gives a great performance. I like the character. I don't think any... I know some people are walking out of this movie going like, all oh, these characters are boring. I, I don't agree at all. I think they're all interesting. I just thought, I think some of them like needed a little more. Um, okay, yeah, no, and, I think we're in the same boat then. And for Cassian now. falls into that trap for me, which is that his introduction is pretty fucking brutal um, with him shooting a poor guy in the back to cover his own ass. Um, which is like, it really sets up who his character is. And that like, you know, he's willing to do shit to protect himself and the rebellion. And it's not followed up on enough, in my opinion. Um, I feel like there needed to be a little more with him. Like, I feel like his character probably should have been a little different where I know he kills that guy because he needs to protect the rebellion. But I feel like it would have worked better if he was protecting himself. Like, it was a really selfish act. And then by the end of the movie, he learns that he needs to, that in order to truly fight for the rebellion, he needs to sacrifice himself. Um, whereas, it's mostly just him willing to kill this poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and with a broken arm, because he's going to get caught. And uh, then he's like, yeah, I've done some dark shit. But you do what you do. Um, which then leads into my bigger problem of the film. Uh, which is I feel like there's a huge drop ball missing with the movie. Which is that I think this film should have been about the rebellion fighting for the heart of itself. I think, because you get all these ideas and you get a lot thrown in there with, you know, you have this Saw Gerrera character who is considered the extremist. Like, he, you know, they, he's been thrown out of the rebellion because his methods are too extreme. And then you have all these different generals who have different ideas about how they should be fighting the Empire. And you even have the one general going like, hey, I know Mon Mothma told you to, you know, rescue this guy, but fuck it, he's an Imperial. We got to kill him. He's too risky to be alive. So you're going there to kill this guy. And so you have different motivations going on. And at the end, the rebellion basically goes, you know, the rebellion's told there's this super weapon. It's going to kill everyone unless we do something about it. And the rebellion's like, fuck it. We're not doing shit. Like, like we're fucked. Like enough of them are like, we can't do anything. We're out of here. And a couple of them are like, no, this is the time to fight. And then it, results in our characters having to be the ones to go and basically force the issue by, you know, committing treason against the rebellion, essentially. But, you know, pushing the rebellion into actually fighting. And the rebellion, learning from their sacrifice, you know, the rebellion uniting under their sacrifice. And, you know, and the idea of hope, and that you can't just give up in the face of tyranny. Like, you can't, you, you can't, no, you can no longer be on the sidelines about this. You can't, 
make this fight about yourselves or your individual planets. Like now is the time to come together and fight. And I feel like that point is not driven home enough in the film. But just to be clear, you, you, you think it's there, just not driven home. I think it's there. I think all the pieces I'm talking about are there. It's just not taken advantage of enough. And like, I would have, like, it would have really worked if there had been like, you know, like, I feel like Jin's speech to the rebellion is a little too much. Um, where she's like, we got to do this. And it's more like, she, like, it's more just the rebellion be like, no, no, we can't do it. We're, we're, we're afraid. As opposed to the rebellion, you know, disagreeing and then Jin maybe leaving on like this rebellion will never decide on anything. We got to take this into our own hands or something like that. And Cassian being like, I've got the men who can do it. And he gets all those other guys who are red shirts and all die. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so I just feel like there could have been a lot more. I feel like what should have happened was all the main characters should have had their own selfish reasons for fighting the, the empire. And the ending is about them realizing that they have to come together to fight and then being a microcosm for how the rebellion should deal with the empire. Um, and I don't feel like that happened. I feel like instead we get a lot of interesting, we get a lot of fun characters. We get a lot of cool action and we get a lot of ideas that just aren't followed through enough. And I feel like this idea of fighting for the heart of the rebellion was the original intention of the film based on the original trailers. The first trailer where, you know, Saw Gerrera looks completely different. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have hair. He, and... he doesn't have hair. Yeah. Um, and he has lines that are not in the film at all, um, which is him, you know, going, what will you become? Which is also an idea that, like, there's this idea that the rebellion could defeat the Empire, but is at risk of becoming just like the Empire. And, you know, Saw Gerrera could have been that character. Because, I mean, even he has, like, he's got a weird parallel with Vader going on. Because he's in, like, a robot suit. He's missing limbs. And he's got a breathing mask. Because he's all fucked up from all the fighting he's done. And there could have been a moment where he's like, you know, Jin, what I've been doing is wrong. <laughs> like... If, if, if people fight the way I've been fighting, they're, it's going to destroy the idea of the rebellion. And you need to carry that message on. And they, they mentioned that Jin was a, one of his child soldiers. I don't remember all the dialogue exactly. Um, but that she was a, you know, one of, a soldier since she was a child for him. And at some point they had a falling out or got separated. I don't remember uh, what I, I, happened. He... He hid her away because uh, people were going to find out she was the daughter of an Imperial science officer who happens mm. to be creating the Death Star. Uh, yeah. But it, he kind of plays it off like almost like an excuse like, mm. for leaving her behind. I guess maybe it, like if he had said that it was an excuse and he was like, look, the reason I left you is because I saw that you were turning into me like I am. Like, I'm not walking, like, he, like, he makes a, he goes, like, I made a point a long time ago, I'm not walking away from this fight alive. But you might, and you might be able to carry on some sort of hope. And that's why I hid you away. And then they I say like, hope for the 50th yeah, time. Yeah, they say hope 17,000 times. <laughs> um, not as much as they say, um, 
monsters no, in no, Avengers Age of Ultron. But uh <laughs> I feel like I feel like the ball gets dropped um almost literally <laughs> on Saw Gerrera <laughs> um a little bit uh in terms of his character because he just kind of goes like uh you know like there's when Jetta gets destroyed and the explosion is heading towards base like he's like yeah I'm done <laughs> like now you go like yeah I'm, I'm done like there could have been more there um, uh, do you think it's uh Godzilla it's like how, what uh, Edwards does in Godzilla where he kills off Brian Cranston and some people were upset about that uh, um, do you think it's a similar situation? Because I'm okay with both of these character deaths. At this I'm, point I'm okay with both of those deaths. I just think they needed to be replaced by more interesting characters. Um, I know nothing against Saul Guerrero dying, and I, it's just I feel like he, like you needed like more of a reason for his death. Like he like he chose his death. He's not like stuck there. He mm-hmm. could have left. And for him to decide at that moment and be like, ah, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I feel like there needed to be more of a reason for him to be like, this is, I'm not leaving. And he's like, you're leaving. Uh, and Okay, but I do think the movie addresses that too because he's there with Jin when they mm-hmm. watch the recording of Galen detailing mm-hmm. the, the um, structural issues with the Death Star mm-hmm. that he, he uh, created in however many years, like 15 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that he sees Jin as that hope. And maybe they should have nailed that down a little harder in the story itself, but I think the way Edwards directs these scenes, uh, mm-hmm. it more than carries it for me, okay. uh, on my view. I would need to see it again, because that makes sense. I mean, if for him to be like, oh, I see Galen, and now I know that it was worth it, or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck. And like, he you even tells Jin like, how there's like hardly any of him left. Like, yeah, obviously it's not physically, but Edwards is smart enough to know how to like mind that uh, from a mm. visual sensibility. Yeah. Um, brief interlude. Can I just talk about some complaints people have made that I think are fucking stupid? Oh yeah, I think uh, there are valid ones, and then there are ridiculous ones that I I don't care about. Um, one is that people think that Sagarera's mind controlling monster is stupid. And I don't. I thought it was great. Um, I, I, love, I didn't care for it. I didn't think it was awful. Like but, the tentacle monsters, uh, the Rathars in The Force Awakens, I still don't like those. I, um, I don't see myself turning around on this one. I don't know. I like, I like monsters in Star Wars. Every one of them's got monsters. No, I do too, so, but uh, I, I don't care for this one. Because it's like... But it's to a, me, but, but it's an important moment in the film. Because like, you know... The thing is, the movie could have just said, like, Saw Gerrera is an extremist, and then never showed us why. <laughs> like, uh, kind of like how Count Dooku is called a political idealist in episode <laughs> two, and then we don't under, like, that's never explained. Um, in this, we're shown that, like, he's using, he's torturing motherfuckers. And, like, that guy, uh, what's his name? Um, Bodhi, the character's name, uh, Riz Ahmed. Oh, yeah. Um, is you know he's just the guy who's like fuck I'm just deliver I'm just the messenger, like <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong, and he's getting fucking mind fucked up, <laughs> and that's to show like that Saw Gerrera, like I was afraid that they were just gonna say Saw Gerrera was an extremist without showing it, so I feel like that scene's important. 
um, to show that, I mean, even like just the hooding that he does is a good indication that he's up to some, he's very strict in how he handles Imperials or people outside of him, and even other members of the Rebellion. Um, or even poor guys, poor blind dudes who happen to get caught up in the fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was funny. Um, um, yeah, that's a great moment. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, okay, I, I kind of... I think I'm okay with a tentacle monster now. Mm-hmm. But I also think you get this, a similar effect when you see how his troops uh, attack the Imperial Caravan in mm-hmm. Jeddah. But, I, but you needed to see him attack... You needed to see him hurt someone who was essentially a good guy. You, you, you needed to see it happen to someone who hadn't done anything, you know, uh, superficially wrong, other than being a member of the Empire, which one could argue, yeah, that's bad, because it is. Yeah. But it wasn't like he's like, you know, he massacred people or was like committed, like killed innocent children. So, and he was surrendering himself. So, I, I feel like that scene's important. Um kind of like you know i had the same problem with ant-man where they're like you're a bad influence on your daughter ant-man and then it's never shown how he's a bad influence <laughs> he's just like i he's a criminal but he always does it for the right reason so it's never really explained why he's a bad influence so here i like that the other moment that people complain about that i think is dumb is you know donnie yen has the best scene in the movie where he's just fucking up a bunch of stormtroopers <laughs> Even though he's blind, he has the best dialogue in the whole fucking movie. And then people are like, he does that, and then he never does it again. <laughs> and I'm like, he doesn't fucking need to. Like, first of all, you're wrong. That just establishes that he can do things. And later we see him take down a fucking TIE fighter at the exact right moment to make it crash into a turret. And we see him taking out guards, like, stealthily on the base. So, we just don't need another big action. Like, why... We need another action set piece like that. Like, we got one. Like, that's where, like, when fanboys start writing movies, we're like, you know, if they saw the trailer and then tried to write the movie after just seeing the trailer, it would have been like 20 scenes of Donnie Yen doing that exact same thing yeah, everywhere as, he went. As badass as that sounds? Yeah, it would just be repetitive. Yeah. It's like, like, a... like, we don't, you don't need to see. Like, you could have done a scene where, like, Donnie Yen like, walks out of a room, and there's just stormtroopers, like, all knocked down. And we don't need to see what happened for it to be badass, because we know what happened, having already seen it. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like uh, Like, I'm going to compare, compare this a lot to Godzilla, because mm-hmm. I think the way Edward uses scale and uh, action beats is really similar, and especially uh, thematically, like, how people mm-hmm. don't really matter in Godzilla and in Rogue One, how... Mm-hmm. Insignificant they feel, but it's how important the choices they make, or yada, yada, yada. Uh, yeah, you get the big explosive Donnie Yen moment early on, but then he explores different ways to showcase how he's a blind badass. Like, yeah. I mean, you brought him all up already. But, hmm. I, yeah, that's an awful, awful complaint. Like, just I, I hear it a lot of places, and it really bugs me. I've been hearing it, too. And that's uh, it's so, so weird. It's like, he does different sort of action sequences with the same, like, basis of his fighting style like it's mm. really creative stuff and it, he's not getting credit for it mm. all right another complaint people are making that i think is stupid is uh darth vader's first scene in the movie um i'll go more into detail in it a little later but 
uh, Darth Vader says uh, he does the force choke on Krennic, and when it happens, you're like, "Oh shit, he's doing it!" Because <laughs> um, I'm like, "I remember that." Uh, and then he goes, like, he says something along the lines like, "Be sure not to choke on your ambitions, Krennic." Oh, yeah, uh, people, uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. And people are like, "Darth Vader wouldn't say that." And I'm like, "Yeah, he fucking would." <laughs> In the first movie, in fucking Star Wars, 1977, he chokes the guy and goes, I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> like, that's... Vader says weird shit like that. He chokes the one guy and he's like, apology accepted, Commander. Like, he's only saying that to himself. Yeah. Uh, like, Vader has a bit of a fucking... <laughs> he's got a bit of an attitude. He has a very dark sense of humor. And it's important yeah. to remember, he's a father, so he has dad humor. Yeah, exactly. Dad jokes. <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> darkest dad jokes ever. <laughs> yeah, you know, just while he's murdering Imperial commanders and whatnot. So I just see that that's like the one like I, I I've seen like a ton of reviews where like they go like as soon as they go into spoilers, they're like All right, first thing out of the gate, Darth Vader said something stupid. And I'm like, No, like that was awesome. Like that was so seventies. Like everything about Vader screamed 70s like that set just the fact that his suit like doesn't look as polished as it should mm -hmm. like it, it looks like a halloween costume almost um that they did the red tint in the eyes instead of like the full black tint um which if you watch like if you watch the original star wars he's got more of a red tint in his eyes because they just made the costume like in an hour <laughs> um, in Empire, he's more polished. In this one, he still has those red tint in the eyes, and it was like, uh, like it was just awesome to see those details stuck to. Um, and if they hadn't have hyped Vader at all, I would have loved that one scene with him. Like if they, if it, if I had known going in that he was going to be in it, and that was the only scene I got, I would have loved it. Honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't have needed the other, even more awesome scene but uh just him in this fucking volcano layer <laughs> in the fucking back the tank i mean <clears throat> holy shit i heard rumors about the back the tank scene where you're like gonna see his charred corpse and i was like that's too dark they won't do that and they fucking they showed it <laughs> i mean holy shit i thought that whole scene was great um, I love it. I loved all of it. Uh, I love it for a lot of reasons, but also because it shows kind of how, um, like, lame Officer Krennic is. Yeah. Like, but I think it's an interesting counterpoint to the Rebellion, where they learn to, like, trust in each other and, and fight for one another. The Imperials are like, nah, it's like a dog-eat-dog. -dog. Uh, mm -hmm. And Krennic is like... Old dead actor. Just like, yeah, and Krennic is like the ultimate weasel. Yeah, uh, and he just can't catch a break because he's such a dipshit. He's like, and he's got like this stupid idea. It's like, if once I get this weapon built, I'll fucking be king. <laughs> and then he gets killed by his own weapon. Oh, the oh, irony! Such a good, like, yeah, yeah. Like, I love dramatic irony like that. No, I love it too. It's like it's very you know on the nose, but that's what Star Wars is. That's what you do. You kill him like that. Um, <laughs> Oh, I love that. And then one more thing that I, I've seen, 
um, brought up okay, last one. as a, last as a one. counterpoint. Um, and this comes from the Red Letter Media gang, um, who I love. I love Red Letter Media. I like their reviews. Um, but one of the ideas that was pointed out was that they would have rather seen a kind of like Ocean's Eleven style heist film instead of this like gritty war film. And I can see not wanting to see a gritty Star War a uh, Star Wars film. I can understand that, but I don't think the alternative is to make a more like kooky heist film, especially when the thing you're stealing are plans for a weapon that can destroy planets. Yeah, like you need to have urgency there, and you can't really do like a wacky like let's recruit these guys to go steal some plans. Like you can't do a wacky adventure like that with the, with what they're fighting against. Like this, if you're going to tell this story, you have to tell it the way they told it. If you don't think they should have told the story, that's a whole different thing. But if you're going to tell it the way they did was the way you had to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, in our other discussion, for the Waffle Press and Rogue One, uh, we brought up Rogue One, uh, uh, Ocean's Eleven as well as the basis for character introductions. But yeah. I definitely don't think they should have had the same tone. So yeah, I, I think that's a odd complaint as well. Yeah. Well, even then, I don't think you can. You should have done like the character introductions like Ocean's Eleven. Um, it, it was well, a, just, just rather that um, you get a good understanding of where every character comes from. Like you get mm. just enough. You don't obviously don't know anything about the twins, like personal history. You don't know anything about uh, the guy who's freelancing for the CIA. I, I forget mm. their names, but uh, uh-huh. you all know their individual quirks and whatnots. And I thought Rogue One did it well, uh-huh. well enough anyways. Yeah, I think they did. I think they did it well enough too. I just think that that sort of tone, like the way when you edit those that type of scene together where you're like, Oh, we got these two guys down at, you know, the racetrack. These two brothers, they can help us. And you cut to them and you do a scene with them. Like, I feel like that sort of tone and that sort of tension, even if it wasn't wacky, like, even if you just went, like, we know this blind guy, and then you cut to the blind dude, like, fucking people up, but then you have to cut back to our characters. I don't think that would have worked in Rogue One. Um, I think this needed a more natural, like, Seven Samurai, like, which they kind of try to do. I don't think it works as well as Seven Samurai, but few things yeah. work as well as Seven Samurai. Um, where, you know, you go into town, and you just start picking up dudes. And, like, each one of them has, like, a moment right before they go, like, hey, you can join us. And be like, we could use your skills, you know, stuff like that. Um, I think they have enough of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way all the characters kind of come together. I think there could have been a little more for all of them, but I think the way it works was good. Um, so, yeah. I think uh, what I all... I mean, this is an easy proclamation, but none of them are Force users. Like, even Donnie Yen's not... Mm. I mean, admittedly, he's blind, badass, daredevil in space. Mm. Uh, but they're just normal people, and I think that also gives the stakes a little more, like, uh, depth. Yeah. And you actually want to see them succeed more? Like, there's no easy fix. You can't force push, like, a gaggle of stormtroopers away. Yeah. You have to fight through all of them or run away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you can't use any fucking powers to just get your way, like, open a door. 
but no one's looking at her to distract. I mean, because, like, if you remember, like, Obi-Wan's just fucking running around the Death Star <laughs> in <laughs> Star Wars. And be, but, like, it's implied that because he's a Jedi, like, no one can sense him, even though he's just running down hallways and hiding in corners <laughs> where everyone would be able to see him. Um, <laughs> he was like, ah, the security camera guy's going to be here next week. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, these guys, they, you know, they have to dress up like, you know, the enemy to get in and they could get caught. There could have been a little more. Like, I could have... I. There is that fun scene. I do love the scene where K2SO is like, I am taking them to the prison. <laughs> like, I love that little moment. Um, that felt very Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I also I think seen... people forget how hokey some of it yeah. is. Not in a bad way. It's just like, it's, it's goofy. It's goofy stuff. Well, that, and that was my fear, because I think something that's been happening with a lot of nerd properties lately um, is that because audiences are getting older, you know, that, like, they grew up on this stuff, that there's this demand from the older audience that the thing they love age with them. And that's where you get, like, this push for people being like, we need darker movies. We need, you know, Batman to fucking be dark. We need Superman to be dark. Because I'm an adult now, and I can't watch Superman, you know, fucking doing hokey shit like saving people from a helicopter. Gotta see him fucking punching warlords in the face. (laughs) Like, like they want, they want other people to take their love seriously by making the thing they love super serious. And I was afraid Rogue One would go too far in being like ultra serious, like dour. And I see some people say they think it is. It's dour, but it's not like oppressive. I don't think anyway. Like no, even with everyone so dying, I think there's like a very much like okay, this is how it's going to happen. And, you know, they're, it's not like they're dying, like, grip, like, they're not, they all do what they're there to do. And they're all helping each other. And they go out swinging. And they, they save the day. Yeah, they, they do it for a good cause. And you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, not just because we know of the original trilogy and the Star Wars universe is going to continue. But, like, as a self-contained story, you still see what they fought for was worth fighting for. Even just that little glimmer of, again, for the 50,000th time, hope. Hope. But it was all worth it. And so, mm. yeah, I, I don't I don't buy that claim either, especially in the year we had Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman. What's that S on your shirt mean? Murder. It means hope. <laughs> fucking breaking necks and fucking not catching gasoline trucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, uh, back on the hokiness real quick, what did you think of some of the cameos? Because I, I know people are a little divided on those two. I would have cut every cameo except um, Bail Organa and Darth Vader and Leia. Okay. Um, oh, and you know what? And I, I did like seeing Red Leader and Gold Leader. Um, I was fine with that. I didn't like seeing the fucking dude, uh, what's his name, Doctor whatever. Um, I have the death sentence on 12 systems. Um, I didn't like seeing him because it opened up a lot of questions. Um, cause for one, it, it looks like the empire's occupying this city, right? Yeah. Um, which to me would mean they're restricting air travel. So how the fuck did that guy get out? Um, 
And then they could have got out when the the Imperials left. But I have a theory on how they got out. It's a whole deal. Okay. uh... Let me just run it by real quick. It'll take like 30 seconds. So when Jeddah explodes, they don't make it to their spaceship, but the blast propels them in a series of cloudy with a chance of meatball-inspired hijinks as they hop from rock to rock to rock to a functional uh, spaceship. They fly to Tatooine, and when they're in that bar, they're just shaking in shock and drinking their worries away. And that's why they're upset when Luke busts <laughs> into them. They're upset. It's like, you don't understand. You've seen shit. Listen, buddy, I fucking saw a city destroyed. You fucking punk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's actually a tragedy, uh, their lives. Yeah, fucking Obi-Wan was just cutting a poor guy with fucking PTSD's arm off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well then, if only George Lucas had directed this, because we definitely would have seen that scene. <laughs> um, I also, I fucking, I hated seeing C-3PO and R2. Um, I wouldn't have mind seeing them, I just didn't like where they were. Like, it was very much a like, hey, remember these guys? Um... Like, they're important. Like, I thought they were going to show up because, you know, they are important to what happens later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't like where they were. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty much, like, in agreement that these cameos, they're, they're fun, they're cute, mm-hmm. but, and they don't impede my, like, uh, entertainment from the movie, just, mm-hmm. you don't need them. Also, fucking, they're like, they're supposed to be at that battle. So why the fuck are they just standing there? Like, oh, it would have made more sense if they were running to the ship. Like, why are we going to Scarif? Like, instead of just standing in the corner being like, hey, shit's happening. Remember? Oh, okay, was- yeah. I think that's how you fix that one anyways. Yeah. Isn't that funny? And then you're still getting into, like, the third act drama. But they're literally just standing there. And that kind of takes you out of it. Yeah, like, if you'd only seen her from, like, the back of the head and it was, like, really quick, like, I would have been cool with that, where, like, you don't really, like, you were, like, holy fuck, was that C-3PO? Mm-hmm. Like, that would have been a little fine. But instead, it's, like, this fucking wide shot being, like, hey, it's those guys. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I did not care for that. Um, um, and that third act also makes the the opening to New Hope that, like, it makes it funnier. Yeah, because uh, then they're like, "Oh, this is a diplomatic ship on a diplomatic yeah. mission." And Vader's like, yeah, "Motherfucker, I like, just saw you." Fucking, I just saw you flee a battlefield. <laughs> Did you not see the fucking ships crashing into each other? I killed like thirty of your friends. Yeah, what the fuck? Like fucking Leia's got a poker face because she was not giving in. Sticking <laughs> to her story. <laughs> okay, I'm on a diplomatic mission. I don't know what you're talking about, Darth. um but uh yeah so yeah it makes the opening of fucking a new hope hilarious now uh but um oh and i also saw this on uh on twitter someone tweeted at gary widow one of the writers that uh, if he intended to or a child running away from a parent and then have it close with child running away from another parent oh hey yeah whatever that's cute. <laughs> That's, it, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't add anything to the movie. It's just cute. Yeah, it's a little interesting. Yeah. Um, whatever. <laughs> like, the movie's not about either of those things, but... Um, kind of... And like I said, I liked seeing... I did like seeing Gold Leader and Red Leader, um, which they apparently found, like, unused footage of those guys to use. 
um, and just digitized them and made them fit into the movie, which I thought was cool. Oh, it's like a lot easier. Ranch? Yeah, yeah, they found like all these like shots that were like, here's some test shots, and like fucking Gertha were just like, what? And, <laughs> <laughs> and like was just looking over it. Um, although there is a shot, I like. I've seen Star Wars so many times. There's a shot in this movie where uh, Red Leader says something, and it's fucking taken right from Star Wars. Like, it's the exact same shot, just, like, digitized a little bit. Um, And I can tell in, like, that brief second you see it. And one thing, you brought all those guys back, you couldn't bring back Porkins? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking give the guy some glory. (laughs) <laughs> Instead of the fat guy who dies first, <laughs> I got a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about the glaring cameo. Yeah, the one. The dead man. Um, um, apart from an ethical discussion, which we could get into, mm. I'll just say should just recast. Yeah, yeah, should have just recast. Should have just recast. Um, to me, like. For one, I, I, I think I've concluded after a while that I'm against this idea of bringing dead actors back. Because uh, it just oh, it opens up way too many doors that are very scary about copyright in the future. But uh, the big thing is that, yeah, just they should have just recast him. Or used him less than they did. Because honestly, like some people are saying you don't need Tarkin. I do think because of what's happening in this movie, you do need Tarkin to an extent. Um, it probably would have worked better if Tarkin was, like, on a hologram. So you could have, like, hidden how much of, like, a digital character he was. Um, in, like, you know, that blue, like, weird hologramness that, that, that the Star Wars universe has. Oh, yeah. Um, Not maybe, I think that... but, I mean, I've seen, like, a bunch of people sharing pictures around the internet about, like, oh, this guy would have been a good Tarkin, this guy would have been a good Tarkin. And then someone talked mm-hmm. out Tom Hiddleston, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I don't. Yeah, yeah. That's he does no. But there, there are a lot of actors that could have, I think, like at least filled a physical role. So. You literally needed to just do what they did in the Prestige with Hugh Jackman. Find a guy <laughs> who looked exact, who looks exactly like Peter Cushing in 1977, and <laughs> uh, just have him do the scenes and then dub his voice later, Pee Wee Herman style. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what they needed to do because it it is distracting. Although I took like I took my little brother to see it, and he's only seen like all the Star Wars films once. Like I only just showed them to him last year in anticipation for the Force Awakens. Um, and like he didn't notice that Tarkin was a digital guy. So maybe you don't notice if you're young and stupid. I don't know. <laughs> um, but to me, it was distracting. And the only thing that makes me like slightly okay with it is that like there's that quote going around that I know Peter Cushing did say where he said he wished he hadn't been killed off because he would have liked to have been in more Star Wars <laughs> films. Um, and I would have liked to too because I fucking love Peter Cushing. Um, and it, and it, there, there is something cool to like, you know, oh, he's back. And, you know, Van, <laughs> fucking Van Helsing coming back from the grave. Um <laughs> Fucking Dracula, I mean, the Frankenstein coming back from the grave. Because in one of those movies, he's beheaded. And then in the sequel, he's like, nope, I'm alive. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, uh, yeah. And it, so, but it was, I could have done without. They could have cut a little bit of his scenes. Um, 
I would have liked to have seen that fucking other guy back who's the idiot who's like, the station's now the ultimate power! <laughs> and then gets choked out. Uh, <laughs> also, um, I noticed when I was watching uh, New Hope again, um, if you watch that scene where all the generals are sitting around, there is an empty chair at that round table. Oh! oh. That's supposed to be a uh, Krennic... Yeah, I guess. See, it fits perfectly. It's like poetry or something. It rhymes. See, this this Peter Cushing digital creation is a funnier character than we've ever had before. <laughs> if we can get him working. He's the key to all of this. He's stylistically designed to be that way, but we can diminish the effects of it. <laughs> oh, thank you, George Lucas. Thank you for making Star Wars. Um... So, yeah, I had some problems with that. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Uh, we've talked about this a lot. Just a couple more things to go over, I guess. All right, let's do um, it. You can never have uh, enough Mad Mick Mads Mikkelsen in a movie. Um, so I was a little sad to see him only have a couple scenes. Yeah, but I would have serves those. He serves those scenes very well. Um. I think the movie does run into a uh, second act sag, um, which is a problem a lot of films have. Like, even the best films can sag in the second act. I would even argue that there's some sag in the original Star Wars in the second act. Boo. Um, I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a hard thing to overcome. Um, it just seems to happen. Because, mm -hmm. um, like, that whole, like, I'm a, I'm a little confused by that trip to that base, honestly. Um, because at that point, I guess, you know what, never mind, it does make sense. Because, um, like, they get the hologram, but the hologram was destroyed. Yeah. So they still need to get the guy to get the proof about this super weapon. But, then again, they just saw proof that the super weapon exists. So it's not like Cassie needs to be like, hey, to, you know... Mentioned well, they that there's need a, him to, to verify the weak point that he talked yeah, about. Yeah, the weak point in it, um, which is a cool little addition to yeah. have to a... Uh, is, is that, like, the greatest retcon? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that was a good idea. Um, it works, I guess. Um, I'm trying to think. Sometimes I think, like, sometimes they retcon shit, and it's like, oh, that's a little goofy. Like, you know, you know like, how... Uh, Han in the original Star Wars says, like, I made the Kessel run in 12 parsecs. And then nerds are like, parsec is actually a unit of measurement and not a measurement of time. <laughs> well, in the expanded universe, they justify that by saying that the Kessel run involves black holes. <laughs> and so that, like, warps space-time. So parsecs does make sense. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a version of a stupid retcon. Um, but I think the one they did in Rogue One really worked. Um, it's better than just like a callback to the fact that the Death Star has the easiest way to be defeated ever. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, also, uh, one thing, for those out there who are following the new expanded universe of books, um, there's a bit of a continuity error that this film presents. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's all falling apart. <laughs> um, in the book Lost Stars, um, one of the main characters in that book is stationed 
on the Death Star. And they, he, this character does not know what the Death Star is for until it destroys Alderaan. This doesn't make sense, because he would have been on the Death Star for the destruction of Jeddah, and the Battle of Scarif, or whatever the fuck it's called. So he would have known that it was at least a, a weapon of some sort. So the, they fucked it up. Oh no, they're only two movies in. It's falling they're apart. fucking falling apart. Um, but I'm sure they can just retcon that away too. <laughs> and and here's the thing: no one watching the movies care. Like I just yeah. fucking thought of that last night. He was in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he was in the John during the whole battle, having fucking bad diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, he's lactose intolerant to the blue milk. Um, so yeah I think it runs into some problems in the second act Um, I like Cassian's little uh, debate about whether or not to actually kill um, Jen's father and deciding not to and I think Jen's a little too forgiving of the rebellion after they are basically responsible for the death of her father Um, I think she's a little too much like yeah, we, you know what, this rebellion, I'm, uh, I'm for it, but we gotta do something. Instead, she should have been back being like, listen, motherfuckers, <laughs> you guys are fucking up. Fucking, we gotta destroy this thing. My father fucking, you fucking killed him. So don't make his death in vain. We're going back. And then they were like, no, we're too scared. And then she's like, fuck you, cowards. And then um, she takes it from <laughs> hands. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, one thing I want to point out is that, uh, for, I, I felt bad for Jimmy Smith at one point <laughs> because uh, he comes back as Bail Organa, of course. Mm-hmm. I like seeing him because he deserves a good Star Wars movie. Yeah. Um, and Bail Organa is like one of those unsung heroes of Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, even, like, um, quick, even in Revenge of the Sith, I really like him in that movie. Yeah, he's good in the movie. It's just he's got bad shit built around him. Yeah. You know, um, like the child die in front of him. And yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And so, uh, he, uh, so, the, but the first scene he's in, he just walks up to the table and there's like a big, like, there's kind of like a, a focus on him. Like the camera, make sure you notice that it's him. Mm-hmm. And then he has no lines. Yeah. I and thought first, that was going to be it for him. And I was yeah, like, no. For a second, I was like, oh, poor Jimmy Smith. He's <laughs> <laughs> back to have no lines. And then thankfully they fixed that. And he has, he has a couple like fun little moments, mm-hmm. um, with Mon Mothma. It was great to see again. Um, but I think Mon Mothma should start being referred to as the George Washington of the Rebellion, uh, in my opinion. Oh, uh, no, you know what? I'd like to see more of that, or hear more of that from the yeah. community. I also like the uh, not Admiral Akbar in this film. Who was just like, we gotta fight! Like, <laughs> like he was the one guy who was like gung-ho about going into battle. Mm-hmm. Um, even and though it's pretty died. obvious that yeah, it's pretty heavily implied that he's dead. Yeah. Um, which probably explains Admiral Akbar's promotion. Because um, Akbar is a terrible admiral. <laughs> Wait. He uh, makes every wrong decision. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> he calls for retreat he's, when they shouldn't have. Like, Calrissian's the one who has to talk him into not retreating. Um, fucking, he states the blatantly obvious. Oh, it's, it's a, a trap. trap. Um, fuck, our ships can't repel firepower of that magnitude. <laughs> um, uh, then he uh, in the net, and then even in the Force Awakens, he's the one who's like, 
fuck, we can't do anything. <laughs> like, he's like, we can't get through the shields. It's impossible. <laughs> he's a fucking naysayer. <laughs> he's, you know what? Adam Rackbar is a Republican. Because all he does is criticize everyone's plan and offers no solution <laughs> of his own. <laughs> so, fucking Akbar. Republican. He, needed, he, should have, he, 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 first. he should have retired. <laughs> um, but uh, I like that guy. And just in general, that whole last third battle, I don't have any problems with. It's so I think, good. I think it all works. I could have used a little more going on with the characters, but I think just as an epic battle scene, like that's what I came for the movie for, and I got it. So. Yeah. Also, beaches. Uh, Everyone's like beaches. Gung ho about like Star Wars beaches now. I guess I don't know. I mean, I never really realized that there weren't any beaches in Star Wars movies until um, I saw how excited people were getting about the trailers. There actually is a beach in Revenge of the Sith. Um, they fight on the Kashyyyk beach. Oh yeah, I yeah. Think. Um, but that battle fucking sucked. So I thought it was fun. I mean, there's a lot of problems no, with that movie. Right. I'm not going to go to length to defend Re- it. Just fucking fuck this. Hold on. Rewind. <laughs> fucking Macaringo's a little kid. It's fucking 2005. Revenge of the Sith is going to be the last Star Wars film ever released, as far as he knows. And they're hyping the shit out of the fact that the Wookiees are going to be in it. And then you go and see it, and all the Wookiee battle stuff is in the trailer. And you don't get any more. <laughs> like, literally every shot of the Wookiee battle is in the trailers. So fuck that noise. That fucking annoyed me so much. All these movies, these last two Star Wars movies have just annoyed me on how bad a lot of the set pieces are in fucking the prequel films. Uh, like, I was thinking about the Darth Vader battle the other day, just because, like, like, just to counterpoint, like, how good the action is in this movie... Like, how fucking bad that last lightsaber battle is between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Like, them, like, jumping on shit like they're floating over lava on robots and sailing down a lava sea. It's so bad. I like it up until they go onto the the melting building and they fall into the lava. Like, it goes on for, like, half an hour, and it's Mm -hmm. too much. But I like the stuff when they're inside the hallways, but... Yeah, but all it could have been, like, it should have just been in that building. And the lava should have been, like, slowly coming into the building. Like, that's what the battle should have been. Like, so you have the two tensions of these two guys fighting and the fact that if one doesn't kill the other, they're both dead. Like, that's what that scene should have been. Instead, it's just swinging on ropes and bullshit. But not in Rogue One. There, everyone blows up. Yeah, everyone dies. And they all go out in good ways, honestly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, K2SO goes out fucking brutally. Yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a... This is a heavy movie, like, for kids. Yeah, like, the funny guy dies first. Yeah, and he gets shot, like, a hundred times. Like, there are holes all over him. Yeah. Like, um, that's, that's a character that's clearly, like, designed to sell toys and for, be for kids. Yeah, and then climb. <laughs> <laughs> um, I could have. I also could have used a little more from K two S O. In terms of an arc, like I said, I like. I think all these characters needed like a little bit more with their arcs. 
And one I think they could have done with K2SO, like, this is just, like, I always do, like, headcanons with these movies because I just like thinking about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think there could have been a scene where, like, K2SO was, like, I appreciate, like, like before he dies, he's, like, you know, because he hacks into a brain of another K2 unit. Um, he could have said something being, like, like the casting report that's like, I'm glad you gave me the freedom to choose how I die. Like, I think they could have done something like that. Because oh, Cassian gave him, you know, his own mind. Even though he's like a sassy robot, and he's got some, you know, he's not great with dealing with people on a human level now, as opposed to, you know, the Empire probably just uses their droids as, like, shields. So. Uh, and then the same with uh, Riz Ahmed. Um, yeah, Bodhi. Bodhi Bodhi. Um, I think there could have been a little bit with him, maybe like, although the I understand why they didn't do it because it would have made him a little bit too much like Finn from The Force Awakens. Where he's a character who, like, he could have been a character like, I'm just trying to get away from the Empire. Like, I don't give a shit about the Rebellion. I'm just trying to get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understand why they didn't do that because uh, it would have just been Finn again. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like they should have um, done something different with Finn because that. Trait, I feel would work better within this individual movie. Yeah, it would have. Although Finn gets a more better character arc. Yeah, I think all the characters in the Force Awakens get better character arcs, which is why I rank Force Awakens slightly higher than Rogue One in my book. Um, just because they all have those emotional arcs that I really crave. Yeah, I I am um, uh, overall more satisfied with Rogue One. Like I, I really love both these new Star Wars movies. I'm very happy to say that. But uh, there's no moment that mm. gets me, like, some individual stuff in Force Awakens. Like, uh, Ray catching the lightsaber is just, mm. like, pure catharsis. Yeah. Like, I was, like, choking up the second time I watched it. Because the first time I watched Force Awakens, I was like, yeah, it was fun. It's mm. cool. And I go back and watch it the, the next day, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is art. Movies. Yeah. Movies and not are just, powerful. And not just like that, but then, like, they do that zoom in on her face. Um, when she, when you know Kylo's like, I can teach you, and you just like, and they just do wordless, great wordless acting of her deciding, you know, fuck you. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, uh, movies are good. Ending, yeah, the ending of the Force Awakens is so fucking good. Um, in terms of like, I wish I had an act because that the thing is the space battle in Force Awakens is not very good. No, uh, no that's the, the real low point of the third act. That's that the whole thing me. you could have cut. You could have cut that, that. That's just in there because they needed to have X-Wings in the movie. <laughs> um, so if you could have somehow combined the action of uh, Rogue One, the climactic action battle of Rogue One, with the character climax, the emotional climax of The Force Awakens, you would have had a perfect movie. <laughs> um, so... Oh my god, what, what, how do you even feel walking out of a movie that good? I know, oh my god. Well, the thing was, like, I had the thing with Force Awakens where, you know, I went into it, and I was super excited, but I was also like, you know, it's probably just going to be good. Like, you're going to have fun, but it's probably just going to be a lot of applause moments. It's going to be a very standard movie. And people can talk, you can talk all day about how The Force Awakens is just a new hope again. It's not in the places that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I walked out of that movie and I was like, holy fuck, I actually had a great time. Like, and then I had the same thing with this one where Rogue One, I went in going like, I'm expecting a fun action movie. And I walked out and I'm like, you know what? I had a great time. Yeah. And I didn't expect to have that good a time. Um, so, yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> and also, I just realized we haven't talked about Donnie Yen's buddy at all. Oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Baze. Baze. I have it written down. Hold on. Baze Malbus. Baze Malbus. Um, oh, that's that me- that memorable Baze Malbus. No, but that's the thing. Like, I I, I like him, too. Um, yeah, no, I like them. They could have given them better names. Yeah. I think these characters need some... Uh, I'm like they're growing on me. Like Cassian Andor, I can now say. I, yeah. If you would ask me, like right that's after a great name, Cassian Andor. But if you would ask me, if you would ask me, like immediately after seeing Rogue One, what his name was, I would have been like Carlos <laughs> Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's a movie uh, out there that gives that name to someone now. What's your name? Yes, Ranger. <laughs> Carlos Ranger. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I'm just. They could have had some better names. Like, I don't even uh, know. They're, what is they're nerdy as shit names. What is Donnie Yen's character's name? I don't even know. Chirrut uh, Imwe. Chirrut Imwe. Like, that'll grow on me. But yeah. it's still, like, a, like in the moment, I'm like, ah, oh, Donnie Yen. Like, that's all I got. Um, yeah. But uh, And then for kids who don't know who Donnie Yen is, they're like, the blind guy. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked his buddy. Um, I like the, you know, the dichotomy of, you know, Donnie Yen keeping the faith and then his buddy kind of having lost it. Like, I felt their arc worked. I liked their their entire story together. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't need more. I got as much as I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Out um, of them. Also, they're clearly supposed to be gay, right? Um, I, you know what? All right, here's the thing. All right. Because okay. I don't want to sound like I'm against gay characters. I feel like that's what I sound like when I, you know, go after shit like this. But I had a problem with The Force Awakens where I have no problem with headcanon or fan fiction where you want to make these characters gay. I have no problem with that. I love it. Make your fan art. Go, fan art makes the world a more beautiful place. <laughs> and the gayer it is, the better, honestly. <laughs> um, but uh, like, there's a scene in Force Awakens where, you know... Finn and Poe Dameron hug and everyone walked out of that movie going like they're gay and I'm like can't dudes just hug each other (laughs) like to me there's like a constraint on like I don't want it to be like you can't have male friendships without them being gay like and they just felt like Kurosawa characters to me like if you watch a Kurosawa film like those characters tend to care about each other on that level and you don't see people reading gay subtext in The Seven Samurai too much. I mean, I'm sure it's out there. <laughs> but No, um, no, no, you're right. And I think more movies should have just that open male camaraderie. But I also yeah. do think, like, I, even if it's not meant to be in the text, and here I do think it was actually meant to be, and they just didn't go through with it because of Disney mm-hmm. mandates or whatever. Um, I also think yeah. I understand people wanting to see more of it and so they kind of latch on to whatever is yeah. available you know? no i get that but if i but if i i'm only going to call a character gay when they fucking kiss each other because i want it to happen 
I mean, if fucking Poe Dameron fucking kisses Finn in episode eight, I'm, then I'm totally fine with them being gay. Um, I just want to see it. I don't want to be like, I don't have to keep imagining these things. I don't want them to just think that that's good enough. Um, I barely scrubbed by with Korosami. I, I need more now. Yeah. And I get why Disney doesn't want to do it because, I mean, literally, like, the film will not be released in other countries if they have gay characters in it. <laughs> um, like, they, they fucking pulled Django Unchained from Chinese theaters because you could see Jamie Lee, um, I mean, not Jamie Lee, Jamie <laughs> Foxx's dick in the movie. Um, Jamie Lee's dick. Jamie Lee Foxx's. Um, uh, so, like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I know why. I'm, it's not an excuse. I don't think Disney can get away with it for much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking needed Korosami to kiss, and they didn't. So someone's got to fucking fill that void. Yeah, and they apparently uh, fought hard enough just to get them to hold hands and stare at each other in that cartoon. Yeah. And here's the thing that fucking pisses me off about that is because the reason they had to fight so hard is because the the other problem is if they kiss, it would have gotten you know you can't show that in like other countries, like other countries, same sex couples kissing immediately puts it into a mature demographic um, by really weird standards and practices. So that's why, like, the corporate reason for not doing it. But then fucking Nickelodeon didn't even release the episodes on TV. Yeah. <laughs> so they could have done it. Like, oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it was bullshit. Fucking get kissing in these movies. Yeah. Fucking get... Get the kissing. Yeah, if episode Dude, eight was just like a giant orgy of everyone making out, you'd be like, all right. Yeah. Cool. Fucking get them, you make them all bisexual, because those people definitely don't get any representation in films. Yeah. I mean, um, maybe not Maybe not Kylo Ren, just because that guy is clearly like... He would clearly have a problem yeah. with the gayness. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, that's a Bible Belt dude. Yeah. He'd be like, ew. <laughs> I was like, I'm a man. Um so, uh, maybe that's how they redeem him. They get him to accept that he's gay. <laughs> if that's how they redeem Kylo, that's the only way I'm going to be okay with them redeeming Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, fuck him. Yeah. Uh, I think you brought it up where um, you think the, the satisfactory like defeat of Kylo Ren isn't him dying, but if he's left alone like and just so destroyed by trying to embrace the dark side that he has nothing left and he's just like mm. shell of himself yeah he needs to get exactly what he wants and then realize that it's a bad thing <laughs> i mean cuz he's emulating darth vader who in this film we see you know what it took to become darth vader wasn't good yeah so i'm saying like he should end up in an iron lung and then be like, oh, I'm fucking trapped. Uh, yeah, um, that's the fate of Kylo Ren. As much as I like Ben Mendelsohn, and I like Orson Krennic mm-hmm. as a villain, like, just because he's like, he's not all powerful. He's just a fucking scum little shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kylo Ren is still more compelling. But I mean, he kind of has to be because he has to carry on a trilogy of movies. Also, yeah. Oh. No, I've, I'm okay with Krennic not being. He's the only character where I didn't need more. Like, he just needs to be... Excuse me. He just needs to be a face that we, like, keep... That we can recognize. Mm-hmm. Like, Tarkin in the first movie. Like, Tarkin doesn't have an arc. Like, he's just a fucking bad guy. Yeah, and then he blows up. I mean, 
Yeah, you don't need that. All right, and one last thing. I guess this is the last thing I want to end it on. Um, people have been talking about how risky this film is. Um, and I only think it's risky from a financial standpoint. I don't think it's risky in terms of what's in it, honestly. Even with everyone dying. Um, I feel like Force Awakens took more risks. I don't think anyone would agree with you, but go on. I, I'm just saying, it was, it's risky for Disney to buy Lucasfilm. Oh, okay. Well. Take Star Wars. And then being like, and and a, and people going into this movie worried that they're gonna put mouse ears on the Darth Vader helmet, um, fucking worried that they're gonna kidify these movies or that they're gonna, and now that like it's out of the hands of the creator, so now like Disney's gonna be making the decisions, and Lucas isn't gonna have a say, and Lucas being very public that he doesn't have a say in where it's going, and that you're deciding to kill off Han Solo in your movie. That's a risk. That could have gone over so poorly. Like, if, if you're not invested in the film by the time you get to that moment, it would have fucking sucked. Like, the whole movie needed to work for that one scene to work. And then for also to have Luke have absolutely no dialogue in the movie. I mean, talk about, like, not pandering... I mean, if, if it had been pandering, Luke would have shown up in the last second with that green lightsaber and fucked up Kylo Ren, as little sense as that would have made. Like, but they didn't do that. That Those are risks. I think this movie is very much a Star Wars film that caters to the hardcore fan. It's not a risk for the fans. It's a risk in terms of mainstream acceptability, but not in the terms of a Star Wars film. Okay, you're kind of swaying me a little bit. And also, another thing, a lot of people talk about the, like, that this movie gets into, like, you know, the original trilogy is about black and white, but this movie gets into the gray area. And while I think it does dip its toe into the gray area a little bit, um, it does not go far enough for me to say that it has any, like, brilliant statement on, like, you know, black and white morality and how that can be a problem. Because um, the Empire is still portrayed as, like, like there's not, like, even with Bodhi being a runaway and K2SO being a reprogrammed droid, there's not, like, a scene in it where, you know, we're shown that, hey, sometimes the Empire has regular dudes working for them, too, who aren't entirely evil. <laughs> like, they're still portrayed as, you know, faceless dudes to get gunned down. Um, so I think it's just like black and gr slightly gray morality, <laughs> which is why I wish there had been a bigger emphasis on the rebellion fighting for the heart of itself. Like, I think what we should have seen was a gray rebellion coming out as white on the other end. Um, morality wise, not and, and white in the sense that the only black X-Wing pilot died in the battle, and that's why there's no black X-Wing pilots at the Battle of Yavin. Oh my god. <laughs> well, I never never thought about that, but yeah. I thought about that the moment the black pilot died. <laughs> was that uh, Red 5? No, Red 5 was a white dude. Okay. Uh, but there was a black pilot who crashed into the shield. 
Um, so hey, that's why it's all white in uh, fucking New Hope. And then all the other people of color die on Scarif, so yeah, you're welcome, white either, people. They showed a lot of people of color in the you know rebellion high council, which was nice to see. Yeah, I, I really appreciated and, that. Even though they were all cowards. <laughs> gotta, um, gotta start somewhere. They got at least they got their foot in the door. And then there were no women on the the rogue team in the finale, but except for Jin. Yeah, there could have been a couple more women soldiers. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I could have used like more like Jin just not being the only female, but like thankfully, I mean, this packs. I, I believe this passes the Bechdel test. When she um, talks to Mon Mothma. Yeah, she talks to Mon Mothma. Oh, and the the other uh, rebellion leader. They don't say yeah, what yeah. planets are from or anything, right? They just like are there. Yeah. There's a whole scene where you know women. There's some women talking. <laughs> so the point for diversity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there any other final thoughts you have on Rogue One? Uh, no, I'm very excited to see where Star Wars goes. Um, I do not need any more Darth Vader. This is the last I need to ever see of Darth Vader, ever again. Do not put him in another movie. Maybe as a ghost for like half a second. Other than that, no more. Yeah, uh, no more Darth Vader. Uh, I don't want to see any more Rebellion stories. I don't really yeah. want to see stories from this era of Star Wars anymore either because you can do anything and... <laughs> They're not, well, and I think that's where a lot of the complaints for Force Awakens came from, too, mm-hmm. where there are similar beats, but they happen for different reasons for the original trilogy. Yeah. Uh, this one, like, this one works so well for me because it's, it's a different type of story in a similar setting. Now, get away from Like, I have no interest in a Han Solo movie until I saw who was coming on board to write and direct and star, and I was like, well, okay, let's give this a shot. Yeah, the Han Solo movie has a great team behind it, which gives me hope. Yeah. Um, and I, I just hope that the hope. the M- no fuck you. Um, I just hope that the Empire takes a back seat in that movie. Um, and I hope we eventually. I hope that one of the spinoff movies coming up has no rebellion or Empire in it. Like I, you can name check them, but don't have like fucking Tie Fighter battles. Or stormtroopers running around, like maybe for like half a second, but don't make them like the crux of a major point in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Like, the Han Solo movie could be like the Ocean's Eleven type thing. Yeah, that's why I think like I think save it for that. Like whatever they're doing in that movie, um, that should be more of like the swashbuckling, more of the like you know gangsters in space type shit. Um, we'll see where it goes. Um, I'm interested, but then I also, I definitely hope that they're not doing that Boba Fett movie like they keep talking about. Uh, um, I think it's, I think that was the plan with Josh Trank. Like, apparently they had, like, a whole, like, sizzle reel prepared for uh, yeah. whatever they were at. And then they were like, oh, Josh is sick and he can't come in today. And then the next mm-hmm. week, like, yeah, we fired him. Yeah. Um, I, from what I heard, the rumor I heard was that there was going to be a scene in the Han Solo movie where he meets Boba Fett. And then if you saw the Boba Fett movie, you were going to see that exact same scene just from Boba Fett's perspective. Boo. Um, I don't which, honestly, 
that's interesting. I just wish it was with two different characters. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather it not be on Solo and Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but from what I understand, Boba Fett will, is now going to be in the Han Solo movie. Hmm. Which, you know what? I, they can make that work, in my opinion. Um, I'm willing to wait and see, but Boba Fett cannot be the focus of a movie. Yeah. Unless he's the Mad Max and he's just along for the ride. <laughs> no, I think you can make an interesting enough Boba Fett movie, but you got to surround him with a lot of interesting characters and world building stuff. Yeah. And yeah, if he's going to work anywhere, a Han Solo movie makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I would know. like to see a Bounty Hunter movie. I just don't want the Bounty Hunter to be Boba Fett. Yeah, he could be one of the Bounty Hunters. There you go. Like do the Hateful Eight, but in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been have, awesome. Have everyone else die there too. Yeah, Just exactly. Continue the trend of standalone movies where everyone dies. Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing, and I guess the last thing I should say is that it's great that this movie has a beginning, middle, and end, <laughs> um, which so many blockbusters this year did not have, um, and failed spectacularly as a result. Um, not going to name any. Um, Say it. Just. Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. Um, and to a lesser extent, Captain America Civil War. Um, hey. It's got problems. Oh, no, it definitely has uh, problems. Not, not on the scale of those other two. Um, <laughs> but the two, good, the two best blockbusters of the year that I can think of right now, there's probably more. <laughs> um, probably not. Go ahead and say it. Star Trek Beyond mm-hmm. and Rogue One. All... Th- those two films had beginning, middles, and ends. And they had arcs for their characters. And you leave the movie satisfied. I kind of so forgot there you what standalone blockbusters felt like. I think that's, I know. that's why I, I thought Star Trek Beyond, I was going to leave this year being like, that's the blockbuster of the year. And then I watched mm. Rogue One, and I was like, all right. <laughs> maybe, some, mm. maybe we just need more space adventure shit. I think, I think Beyond edges out Rogue One for me. Yeah? Yeah, I think I think Star Trek Beyond will be making my top ten of the year list, and Rogue One just gets a little bit left behind. Oh, okay. Uh, the I think the third act is what really just drives it all home for me. Yeah, it, I wrote like fifteen hundred words on it for audiences mm. everywhere, just because I was yeah. like, I left so like inspired and like exhilarated by that third act. I was like, oh my god, I got to talk about it. I got to write about it. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, he Ryan Johnson. They ask you not to talk until you're in your car because there was like another screening immediately after, and uh-huh. so I just I was just quiet. I had people FaceTiming me. They were like, "How was it?" I'm like, I, I can't, I can't say anything. I can't say anything. Yeah, I can't, I can't. The, the, like the snipers, you feel them on you. And then I got in the car, and my friend was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, Garrett Edwards, just the I, I just fucking love how he directs action and skill yeah. and the little stormtroopers by the ATAT feet. And they just look so tiny in comparison. And then yeah. that fucking shot from Watchmen that's way better utilized here mm-hmm. with Jin and uh, uh, Cassian holding each other, looking at each other as a nuclear apocalypse like just rushes towards them. I, I couldn't believe that they, they did it. I mean, I, I can't presume that all these characters were going to die. But the fact that they did it, I was like flabbergasted. Like, oh my, they, they went through with it. Like, it kind of gave me the same feeling that... Uh, when Han Solo died. Not as emotionally invested, obviously, but um, mm-hmm. they actually went through with it. Yeah. I think that's why I feel that this one is a little more risky 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get it. I like yeah. it. So, uh, Ryan Johnson, step up your game for episode <laughs> eight. Uh, right. What's he made? I don't even. Yeah, just Looper and fucking Brick and what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes those movies. Now we live in a world with five really solid Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, two which are unequivocally great, and then three which are good. And then the other three that we don't talk about. I think they're worth talking about still, but that's another conversation. That's a whole other conversation. No, they're not. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Matt, where can people find you online? I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com. And look for my podcast, Gringo Fuck Yourself, just returning after a long hiatus. How long was your hiatus, Matt? Like six months, I believe. Wow. I think we're almost in the same boat. Uh, And, of course, you can find me, uh, Diego Waffles, on Twitter. Audience is everywhere.net. Real Film Chatter. We're starting that up again, too. Uh, I did their first Rogue One review, and I, this entire week has just been Rogue One everything for me. I, maybe I need a break. I don't know. I, I really like it, though. Uh, Waffle Press, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, like, subscribe if you like this video. If you didn't like, like, subscribe anyways, because you might find something you do like. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Matt. We have been professionally unprofessional.